My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. In the center of all that hard work, faith, and vision is a big desire. Desire for joy. Desire to live in alignment. Desire to have a life that you love. Desire to step up for yourself, for your dreams, and for what you know you deserve. Ask me how I know. Sis, I want the same thing. That's why I created the Empowered Creatives Retreat. If you think you can thrive as a creative without taking action, think again. Join me at my two-week retreat in Ghana. It's a retreat for purpose-driven Black women visual artists, writers, performers, and makers. Have time away in the African diaspora to focus on your art, feel rejuvenated, and inspired. All while making lasting connections and friendships with fellow artists. To sign up for the retreat in July, visit www.kindredcreativesco.org or follow me on the gram at Victoria underscore Y-A-W-A. Meet Nasinga Knight, an interdisciplinary artist based in Egypt whose work includes geometric drawings, text paintings, and photographs. Nasinga's upbringing as a first-generation Black American Muslim informs her work as she makes critical contributions to conversations on Black America, politics, culture, and Islam in the 21st century. Nasinga has received numerous grants, including the Pollock Krasner Foundation Grant and has exhibited work at the Drawing Center New York, Project Row Houses, Museum of Contemporary African Diaspora Art, and PS1 MoMA, among others. Join us as we discuss how she's navigating the art industry as a Black woman creative, her strategy to find art collectors, and how she's building a sustainable creative business based on her own rules. Hey, Nasenga. Hi, how Victoria. Are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to hearing more about you and your story. So let's get into it. So 
I always love to start with just hearing about an artist's journey, so their start. And I'm really curious to know more about how did you know that you were creative, that this was like an artistic skill that you had and that you wanted to keep going and doing it? Can you take me back to the moment you realized that this is something that I want to do with my life? Interesting. Okay. Well, I've always been creative. Like my parents, since I was a young child, then they involved me in, first it was dance. So Mm -hmm. I did ballet. It just seemed like something everybody in my neighborhood, in my community did. Like ballet at this one particular ladies dance school, Miss Ricky's dance school. I'm sure anybody from, people from Flatbush who kind of grew up in the eighties in in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. uh, girls, they will probably be familiar with that. And so, um, so that was like a thing. And then I went on to, you know, my teen years doing dance. And then in my late teen, my, you know, my late teens, early twenties doing dance as well. And then when I went to college, I went to Harvard university for undergrad. Then I actually entered as a business major and kind of quickly within a few months, then I realized I didn't want to be in the school to be, you had to wear a suit every week to class. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was no, I was, I wasn't that interested in being in business school. Mm -hmm. I was still interested in business, but not in business school. And I learned while I was at Howard about um, there were lots of um, young ladies who were in the school communications film department, radio, television, and film. I didn't even know that you could major in something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, even though my twin sister, my twin sister, actually, I have a twin sister in Nzinga, and she actually went to an art school. She went to Pratt. And so she was doing fine arts. I just didn't see myself. I just didn't really see myself as that kind of person whatever that means I just didn't see myself as that kind of person but I know what you mean um yeah but then I learned so I learned about that um major and then I just you know met some people who were shooting student films you know and 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 at Howard then a lot of the undergrads and grad students they also had MFA program would work together you know undergrads would love to work on a graduate student's film and, and, and that kind of thing. And sometimes graduates would help out with undergrads. And so that was my sort of foray into studying the arts in any, you know, as an adult, like in a mm-hmm. sort of like more serious kind of way to be like, you know, I'm going to have a career in the arts. I thought it would be in film. Um, but then, I, you know, the progress in my studies at Howard, then I just became interested in art period, just like all the different mediums. And I was especially interested in experimental films. And, Mm. you know, I was just kind of really curious about this. I was curious about the films that were being shown at museums. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that just sort of expanded me into photography. And then, you know, I spent five years between undergrad and grad school and just sort of working in TV and film. And then I applied to go to Penn for the master's in fine arts program. And my whole sort of purpose that I, you know, wrote in my application is, um, as well was that I wanted to expand my mm. sort of um, artistic uh, mind and my artistic 
output and mediums. And, you know, just, I really wanted to experiment and expand. And there was a particular professor there, Terry Atkins, who I wanted to study with. And Carrie Mae Weems was supposed to be there, but then her career took off like cray cray. Right. And she had time for you to repent. <laughs> that would have been so amazing. She, yeah. So she wasn't there. I know she was there kind of the year before me, but you know, um, that didn't happen. But, you know, those those are the people I was especially interested in studying with. But Terry was there and he became a mentor mm-hmm. to me. And, um, you know, and, and, and I really just loved the experience. And so, you know, once I hit grad school, I mean, actually, it was really like from undergrad. I knew it was going to be in the arts. It was yeah. going to be film or it was going to be, you know, other forms of art. But it was that was what I was going to do you know? Mm. Yes. Well, first of all, shout out to Howard. Amazing school. (laughs) And I just wanted to point out that, you know, you were, you didn't see yourself as an artist. And this is what I hear from so many artists who are doing it. It's in you, it's innate, but for whatever reason, I felt the same way. You don't like see yourself as an artist. And then you end up going along your path and just loving it and keep doing it. And I, I think that there's there's something really vulnerable about being an artist that you don't really want to accept the magic that is there until you're like actually mm-hmm. doing it and you realize like, A, I'm really good at this and B, it makes me really happy. And so yeah. does that does that feel, does that resonate with you? Cause I know for me, that's kind of how I got into painting too. I didn't yeah. think of myself as a painter for a long time. Yes, that definitely resonates with me because I feel like honestly for me it was like once I just really started doing it right Mm -hmm. like once I just you know when I was at Howard and just even before going to Penn I just love collaborating and it collaborating is still something I do in my artistic practice more which is more of a studio practice but I just loved the whole thing of like that exchange of ideas you know it was just so much uh, it was just so much fun honestly and and just like just you know for a film a film crew then everybody has such a particular role and every single role is so important even the person who holds the big microphone stick you know you need them to be to be really steady with that if right. anything goes wrong you know no 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 job is unimportant and I think mm. that that is that was something that I take you know now that I stated that that I take into my studio practice even as I mostly make like two-dimensional works is that every single part of the project is important whether it's the color whether it's the the materials whether it's the concepts like all of it is important and you need all of it at least for me I need all of it for the work to be what it is for it to stand up and so you know I feel for me it's it's like you know, there's one thing to make art, right? You mm-hmm. know, which, you know, and, and then there's another thing to like dedicate yourself to it, you know? Exactly. And then, and then there's, of course, the next layer, which is to like actually make a living mm-hmm. out of it too. And to choose that, no, I'm going to be an artist and I'm, this is not going to be like some, you know, side thing that I do whenever I just have like time for it you know, and, and not like really develop myself, but 
I, I chose to thought about the investments that I've made in myself as and that other people have made in me, you know, as an artist. And um and it's, you know, there's just so many ideas that I want to explore, you know, that I am yeah. exploring, that I want to explore. And I feel like art is such an open space for that, that it just allows so, so many opportunities for me. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned that about how there's this other layer that artists can have to make money or be sustainable. And I know we met through a club, We Should All Be Millionaires, hosted by the brilliant Rachel Rogers. And I'm really curious to know how you've been able to translate your art practice into creating a business for yourself that's sustainable for you and your family. What have you done to really balance building a business, being sustainable as an artist, and still making arts? Yeah, well, I say, you know, in order for me to be able to make certain projects, like some of my work, then it's like I do, I've always been in the mode of like making work and also writing proposals for support for my work. You know, whether it's a grant application or a, you know, or a residency or something to support my practice. And so and to support me, of course, you know, as the mm-hmm. artist. And then I think as, as I've gotten advanced in my career and advanced, you know, just, you know, getting older and everything like that, then it's like, you know what, I don't just want to... I don't just want to depend on a certain type of support. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just realized that there's so many opportunities as an yeah. artist to make money, like whether it's just you're selling the artwork or you're getting funding or licensing or, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and that really what we're dealing with, we're not just dealing with objects, we're dealing with intellectual property. So, you know, like for the club that, that you and I are both in, we are we're all dealing with intellectual property, whether a person has a service-based business as, you know, a coach or as a, you know, there's lots of different people in there or, or as a, you know, an artist or you have a product-based business, whatever it is, we all are dealing with our ideas, you know? And so for me, one of the big kind of attractive things that, that I've been really working with is thinking about my work and thinking about like, what kind of audience do I want for my work mm-hmm. and how do I want to reach them and just really like how do I want my work to live in the world and you know for me I know that it's important for, for my work to me for it to be shown in museums and galleries and nonprofits which I've had I've had a lot of opportunity for it to show in those spaces but it's also important and I've been able to sell some of my some of my work and, and most, almost every almost every work or project that I've finished has been seen by the public in some sort of setting in a gallery, museum, or, or whatever. Right. Um, you know, but I also want people to be able to, like, have it and appreciate it, and not just people who have loads of money, you know? So one of the things that I've been um, working mm. with, um, you know, sort of... In my, in my studio, like when I'm, you know, sort of focusing on the more business and the more sort of like, I would call it even just outreach part of my studio and outreach is really important to me is 
is like pricing strategy and sort of, you know, additions and reproductions of my work, you know, like, so it's like, okay, there's people who are, yeah. And then of course I have originals of, of the works and stuff, but like, how do I want, you know, on the different levels that I want people to be able to have my work because, right. you know, I know for myself, if I'm going to a museum or I'm going, you know, to a gallery or whatever, then, you know, the times when I have purchased art, I've purchased reproductions. I've purchased some things as limited edition prints, but, yeah. but, but even thinking about somebody like me, <laughs> you know, I know me too, you know, it is not an, because it's not just, and sometimes we have to think, I feel like too, sometimes as artists, and I'd say, especially as Black artists, we may say like our work is about this and that, and like, you know, the people who we want to like, in our community to appreciate the work, but then it's like, okay, and then if you go to, whether it's the exhibition space or who actually collects the work, if they don't look like you, then are you actually reaching those people? <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, they, and not, and so can can they can people who you say you want to be influenced to have your work can they at least have some sort of like iteration of your work i mean can they right. at least buy a print <laughs> can they have some reproduction <laughs> i feel you Something. because you know? accessibility is super important and like being able to reach more people mm-hmm. i think is important and so i know like some artists mm-hmm. are like oh no prints are like you know, not good. They diminish your work. I think that's ridiculous because in the long run, don't you want Mm -hmm. more people to see your work? Don't you want more people to have the experience of art and all that it brings to your life? Like, why wouldn't you want to make it accessible? So I love that business model that you're taking your original work, making prints, but also people who can buy it on a higher end you you still have that option for people to buy your original work I think that's really smart yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I mean when you go to museums like all these like big major artists that we've you know seen and exactly. look at their stuff, they all have prints <laughs> they all have right. reproductions of their work that we can have and so you know and, and and also for the benefit of the artists as well like the benefit of the artist as well we don't at least for me i'm not just interested in collectors getting rich you know what i'm saying like amen <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me yes <laughs> and, and i'm not yeah there's certain collectors who i'm like interested in because i see what their collection is like mm-hmm. you know but there's people just who are just like in my community who i'm like oh i would love for that person to be a steward of my work for that person to have it and I'm talking about people who like maybe I grew up with them or people who are like go to the same mosque as me, you know, yeah. like who I think would really, the work would really mean something to them. They're not mm. quote unquote collectors <laughs> that mm-hmm. we would, as we would perceive it in the art market, but they're important to me, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's, um, those are things that I'm thinking about. Awesome. As far as sustainability. Yeah. Yes. One of the things you just mentioned about collectors having your work, I'm just curious, this is just on a sidebar for my personal interest. How are you able to draw in collectors to be interested in your work, to start bidding for your work? Because I know that's that's kind of a, it seems so abstract for an artist who's just beginning how to like get a collector to see their work, be interested in it and buy it. 
and have it like what was your process was that kind of an organic process for you or did you have people who were like interested in your work who reached out to you I'm just curious how did you start having collectors interested in your work well it's I'm still I feel like I'm still at the sort of beginning of it Mm -hmm. you know like like let's say I'm trying to think of some some of the first people who have bought some of my work you know like for instance there was um actually there's one piece that I was recently looking at again and I was like oh yeah I did make an edition of that there's four more in that edition let me you know reach out to some people who have expressed interest there's been many things. So like, you know, for, I remember one piece, you know, this one that I'm thinking about, I had a show it was in North Carolina and there was a professor who's an art historian who he said he doesn't really collect artwork, but mm-hmm. he really loved this one piece. And so he purchased it, you know? And so, um, you know, for me lately, like I'll study up, you know, like, mm. you know, there are certain black collectors who you can do some Googles and stuff and find out who is collecting what. And and then like some of them have Instagram accounts where they post like everything that they collect. And so, you know, it might be that there's this couple of ways that people can go about like looking into this. Like if there's an artist whose work you think is in conversation with your work, for example, then you can find out who collects their work. Right. Because if they're interested in that person's work and they collect their work, then they might like to have your work, too, because of the mm-hmm. conversation. Maybe that collector, they are particularly interested in supporting black abstract artists. Right. So a lot of my work is abstract. Not not all. Like I, I would say I'm in general what you would call like a conceptual, you know, interdisciplinary artist. And so. So you might go that route to be like, oh, wow, okay, I see that this collector, this is the type of collection that they have. You know, um, there's, I think, I feel like if I got sort of put on to certain collectors, like when I, there were some panels that were happening a few years back about, um, and there was more conversations about Black collectors. Like, because because mm-hmm. I'm because let's say for me, that's what I'm interested in in particular too, is like African-American or just, you know, Black collectors, yeah. you know, because I feel like for some of them, aside from, um, and particularly the ones who purchase like abstract work, conceptual works, a lot of them, they, they have like a mission. A lot of them have like a, a mission for their collection, you know, and, and really see, the collection as being something that is reflective of them and their values. And, you know, and I just feel like, you know, for some of them, it is meaningful to them. And also it can be, you know, just from exhibiting. I've, I've had collectors reach out to me because they found out that I was a, a student of Terry Atkins and Terry Atkins, they collected his work, <laughs> you mm, know? So they're yeah. like, oh, you were his student. So let me see what you have you know and I know that sometimes even relationships with collectors even like with curators too can be conversations that build over years like somebody can start a conversation with you about your work and not purchase anything for like five years ten years you know people also you know a collector reached out to me like last last week or maybe it was like two weeks ago and 
he's been following my work for a while. He's like, he's saying, uh, you know, I'm, I have a fund <laughs> saving up work, <laughs> saving up money to buy your work, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and so he usually, if I'm doing something, he's collectors, no other collectors. And he'll mm-hmm. share my stuff with his collector circle as well. So some people, they know about my work because another collector told him about my work. But then, yeah. you know, it's, it's also, it's something that I'm also just, you know, I feel like sometimes in my career, I have like stages. Like I remember when I first came out of grad school, my thing was just all about just really building my practice, building my work and really honing my studio practice because that, so, so for me at that time, I just, I just wanted a residency that I could just be quiet and be in the studio Mm -hmm. like as much as possible, you know? And so I got a one-year residency at the time in um, Galveston. Then after that, I was more, you know, because I got married and then I was starting a family. So it was more for me, like um, exhibiting was a huge priority for me. And also then then it became funding. So so they're layers. So like, you know, residencies. And then it's like, okay, I can do residencies and exhibit. Then it's like, okay, residencies exhibit and now let me focus more on funding and so now then it's kind of you know all those things are still there of me doing those but now more so like and now let me focus on like selling and sort of getting you know my work to different people to as that like another another sort of working um leg of my studio practice Mm, I love how you just broke that down because it it is, it really is just like relationship building because, you know, get to mm. know curators, collectors, just get to know people who you connect with, who your work, like you said, there's a, there's, there's some type of a synergy there with your work and their art collecting style or body of collections that they have do some research on Instagram, on Google, like you will find people and just start a conversation, get to know them and you never know where it will lead. So I love that. And Mm -hmm. also that for you, it was just like, you didn't, you just kept going and trying different things and seeing what worked for you in the moment. I think that's also Mm -hmm. important to not think that you need to have it all figured out, but just keep going because along your path, (laughs) you know, you'll figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Things will really hit you. Things will connect with your practice. Things will really like like work well and take off. So you just have to kind of keep going along your own path. So thank you for like breaking that down because I feel like a lot of people will resonate with what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to know what drives you, what keeps you going? Yeah, what drives me? My ideas drive me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My ideas drive me. I'm sitting in my studio right now and I'm looking at like, you know, some projects. One project um, is called Tawasai. It's a um, text painting series that I just finished, but I know I'm like... I, I still have to look over it and just, you know, sort of like check each one and see if there's anything. It's a big series. It's 36 oh, in wow. this series, but like, yeah, like check each one and just like make sure see if there's anything, what else I, you know, if there's anything else I need to do with it. And so that, you know, would be a project like that was, you know, driving me in the studio, like, you know, every day or, you know, whenever I'm in the studio and I just love it. Cause I love the process of making 
art. Like I love thinking about ideas. I'm a big like idea person and in making art helps me work through the ideas. And so Mm -hmm. that, and then like, and you know, and as I'm sitting in my studio, I'm also looking at like a project, which is a project that I've been writing for funding for, you know, and I'm looking forward to getting funding for, you know, getting the funding that I've been writing for, you know, this year. And this project is, I did a residency two years ago and it was part of my proposal there. And so I was able to do some, make some studies for, it like go into do some printmaking and make some studies for it and like when I have conversations with people about the ideas for this one project I get excited you know it's the the, the sort of working title of it is called irregular black people and Ooh, and so it's like you know <laughs> yeah but it's so much I realize that it's so much having to do with where I am in my life right now as like mm-hmm. I live in Egypt I'm you know African-American well my parents are from the Caribbean actually but you know African-American you know black person living abroad in Egypt I'm Muslim and this whole concept of you know for this project of thinking about people how black people navigated identity of like race and religion you know, particularly as Black Muslims. And, and so there's kind of this aesthetic of this foreignness, you know, I'm looking at one of the images and it's like these Black black men and women and they're praying and they're praying with their hands up the way how Muslims pray. And, you know, the one leading the prayer has on like a, you know, a turban and mm-hmm. fezzes and like, you know, they're just, they're, they're dressed different, you know? Yeah. And the women, the way how they're dressed. And so, but they took on, you know, this sort of, aesthetic and presentation of themselves out in the world and this oh and the, the, the person who his name is uh lynn hope who is leading the congregation he was an artist oh, you know he was dope. a jazz musician mm-hmm. and so and this is like in the fit in the 50s and this particular print that i made the images coming from any magazine so it's so so like thinking of like my work always has something to do with myself really and like the things of like me thinking of like my identity and my sort of like these layered facets of like my community things that maybe I heard growing up and I didn't understand or things that you know I need that I'm ideas that I'm sort of grappling with and so that is really really motivating for me because in a sense it's kind of never-ending and in a sense, I'm also able to like have a conversation with people and get their ideas. I'm learning about history, which I love history. I'm exploring different mediums. You know, I've been learning Islamic art here, like a geometrical art, like with a, a teacher through private lessons. Mm-hmm. And so, so between like the, the content of the work, which is, you know, spurred from something that I want to explore, that I'm curious about. And then being able to actually explore different mediums and forms in my work. Cause I, you know, cause I work in different mediums. And so usually each new project tends to kind of add, you know, you mentioned those layers, adding layers yes. into studio practice. Each new project kind of tends to add a new layer of even a new medium or a different oh, style that I'm like exploring too, to yeah. sort of fit with the concept for the work. Mm-hmm. So that's always like super motivating uh, for me. And sometimes, honestly, especially in the beginning of a project, 
then there's like motivation that sometimes there's even intimidation like mm. you know like okay like I don't like I'm at a point with this project where I don't know what it's gonna be yeah I, I sort of tested out some printmaking stuff but this might be painting I have some blank canvases in my studio I don't you know I don't work on yeah. canvas but I might <laughs> you right. know? And so that's also exciting too you know Mm. yeah that brings me in here and 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 then you know the business aspect too like I mentioned that I started at Howard as a business um major but that also keeps me curious too um that there's always there's just so much to do you know yeah. in the studio yeah I so. see that in your work it's beautiful by the way but Thank I you. see Thank how you. much research and reading and collecting is such a part of your work. And I think that's what makes it so mm. powerful because you're, you're definitely, I see like the experimentation that you do within, within your work, but I can also see like the deep research and just interest you take in all your subjects. And like, obviously a lot of them are representative of you and your culture and who you are, but I can also see like, all the reading you do to like conceptualize your ideas and like to put it on in your art. I think that's really impactful. And mm. people don't talk about that enough that, you know, mm. art is definitely innate and it comes within us, but there's also a lot that goes into making arts that oh, yeah. just, just it's layered, like you said. So I love that. I would love mm. to talk about, cause you mentioned a little bit about this, like, intimidation or just like uh, vulnerability that you may have when you first start something, first start a new body of work or a new piece. And I'm curious to know what challenges do you have as a creative entrepreneur, as an artist? What have you kind of had to overcome or built within yourself that kind of was challenging for you? I'll say one thing that I've had to overcome Mm -hmm. um is not is comparison yes that's a big one <laughs> mm -hmm. comparison is the thief of joy they say <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah but I'll say because there's so many things I feel like it's it's kind of funny like that like for me as an artist that I live all the way out and like North East Africa, you know, mm -hmm. I'm from New York, you mm -hmm. know, but by the way, why did you I move to like, Egypt? Because I, I don't think I ever asked Egypt. you that. <laughs> Not to oh, interrupt it's so simple. You. This is my just my husband got a job here. Okay. Yeah, my husband got a job here at the American <laughs> University. So we came. I came. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, but simple answer, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Being being here, and actually, really, since I finished, maybe since I decided to go to grad school, then it has just. I feel like I've just been pulled. You know the way how a lot of the way how the creator has sort of set things up for me. I've just been pulled further and further away from what we call like the center of the art world, physically. Mm. You know, meaning like I'm actually from New York. I'm actually from Brooklyn, where like you know artists tend to want to be. You know, yeah. But then I went to grad school in Philadelphia, and then I went. My first big residency was in Texas, in Galveston, Texas. You know, and then I was in North Carolina and then I'm here. And 
every, you know, before every single time it was like this sort of resistance of like, oh, you know, just going to be pulled away. But what it has done for me and helped me with, you know, is that I'm at the point where it's just me like in my studio. And so, you know, my output of like reaching out to people about my work, I engage a bit with like the artist community here. And I know some folks in the artist community here, but like, you know, maybe I'll put something out on like on the internet or to like my email list or something. Sometimes I'll have a studio visit virtual these days, you know, with someone who wants to, you know, see my work and that kind of thing. But it has helped me to not have like this sort of comparison thing. And and, and at the same time, while I say I wanted to, I, I resisted being pulled from like that sort of quote unquote center of the art world where there's so New York where there's so much engagement. And I did enjoy it when I was in New York, you know, in like my early mid twenties, it has also really helped me to focus, helped me to just be focused on like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't, you know, I'm aware of what's happening in the art world, but I'm not entrenched in it. You know, I don't, I don't have, I don't go to shows and get, and get sort of wrapped up in like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like physically, I'm just not there. And I think I used to earlier on in my career, I used to like do stuff like, um, let's say if I was curious about like, what, like thinking of my sort of next move and I'm like, oh, well, what should I apply to? And I would get, you know, sometimes you'd even give advice like this. You'd be like, oh, look at the resumes of like other artists and look at, you know, almost like look at their path mm. and basically try to duplicate it, replicate mm-hmm. it, you know? Horrible and I think advice. earlier on, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe like 30 years ago or so, then that would be something that I would look at. But I can't even tell you when was the last time I did something like that because everybody's path is different. I know my path is different and, and I've, I've really... You know, I, I think especially this year and last year, you know, I just stopped looking. Well, even though I might see stuff, you know, just other artists who appears, like you see stuff on social media. Right. I stopped saying like, oh, wow, that artist, oh, they just worked with so-and-so to publish X, Y, Z. Oh, maybe I should apply for that, you know? And, and then meanwhile, I already have my own sort of like plans for the year. That mm-hmm. is in doing that kind of stuff is a good way to get distracted Big and to just like not get stuff done. That's like stuff and not get stuff done and not do the things that are like right for me. You know, I mean, yeah. I've had to even, you know, you mentioned the club, the, the, the entrepreneur group that we're in. And I remember honestly something that helped that, that, that happened. We had this sort of challenge and so we were putting out like whatever the 10, 10K in 10 days challenge and we were putting out, mm-hmm. you know, whatever our offers were. And I put out offer and um, I got, on you know, fa- Facebook and other other places, email lists, et cetera. I got so much feedback. I felt so kind of, oh, what was the word? The, I felt uh, kind of intimidated to do it or just kind of apprehensive to do it because, I, mm-hmm. because oh, in my mind, I'm like, I don't see other artists doing this. Like, yeah. I don't see other artists being like, hey, guys, I am doing this challenge. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I have a business coach and this is and, I, you know, I want you to either people purchase my work, share it with other people, etc. And I was afraid of like people's judgment that some people would be like, 
oh, you shouldn't be doing that. And I did actually get pushback. I got pushed back from someone who was a friend who, you know, considered to be somewhat of a mentor to me. That's like, oh, you mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing that. And then I had to like stand in my ground and be like, you know, maybe that's not something that you want to do, mm-hmm. but you know, you do what's right for you. And and I'm not, I do believe that artists, everybody do whatever they want to do. Yeah. But I do believe that there's a problem in the art world of people and artists in particular, not talking about money. Absolutely. Because people are getting taken advantage of. A lot of people get taken advantage of. And literally a lot of it is because people don't have conversations. I'm not having enough conversations. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of shame. People don't talk about it. A lot of people, have, a lot of artists have shame about like if they got ripped off by like a collector or a gallery, somebody didn't pay them. Yeah. Somebody, you know, they showed somewhere and there was no honorarium. And meanwhile, I love artists who, I, you know, I love artists period, but you know, I love certain artists that, that, you know, I know if I ask them a question and they'll be transparent with me. You know, one artist friend, I remember I asked her about, what was it? We were chatting about um, honorariums and contracts and stuff. And she mm-hmm. gave me basically a whole script of how she deals with museums and nonprofits when they literally will ask you to be in a show and not offer any money. Or they'll say, we don't have you and we don't have any money in the budget to pay you. And, you know, I loved that she, and I was like, I'm just not okay with that. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm totally not okay with that. People will try to say, oh, you should take the opportunity, you know, but Mm -hmm. they give you opportunity and all this stuff like that. And it's like, you put the installer, you put the guy who does the shipping, you put the person who wraps the packages, you put the painter, you put the light people, you put the mm-hmm. catering people, you put everybody, the cure, the mm-hmm. curator, you're going to pay. You put everybody yes. in, the, in the budget. Yeah. You put the artist in the budget. Oh my God. You are just like speaking my language right now. <laughs> that is like such a pet peeve of mine. People who don't pay artists. Yeah. It's like- But you see my thing- Go ahead. Um, it's a no-no. Yeah. I will tell you, and I've done this many times, you know, there's this organization called Wage. And if a person, if a curator comes to me and they're like, oh, we want you to do blah, 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 and they don't have any sort of budget or they, you know, when they don't come forth, be, aren't forthcoming with the budget or they don't have one, I, I used to be like, oh, I work with the wage scale. Like, I, you know, I took a vow that I'm going <laughs> yes. to, you know, do this. Thing. and this based on your institution this is how much the honorarium is for me like between this and this I don't care if you're not let us say I don't care if you're not paying anybody else but the mm-hmm. conversations you have with other people is the conversations yeah, you have my with business. other people yeah. this is how much Yeah. this is how much and oh, they, they come up with it I mean it's silly Yeah. and so and more artists need to do that but because of the um I think because of some of the shame, because sometimes I think artists are not, you know what, it's a lot of things. It's it a is. lot of things. It but is. I think that the 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 big challenge of like being okay, like for myself of of like doing my own thing, still being aware of what other folks are doing, but being okay that like, you know, maybe I talk about some things in my work that most artists don't talk about. Not 
of coming talking about you know like I talk about religion in my work Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I know for myself, like when I was in grad school and stuff that you would even read like an art history, sort of like texts and stuff like that, you know, in contemporary art, like this is like an off topic. They mm. even took, you know, spirituality and this sort of topic of spirituality and stuff out of abstract work where abstract work was like all about that. <laughs> like abstract mm-hmm. work was all about it. But you right. know, people like Clement Greenberg and these kind of folks you know, they just rip it out of it and then make it as if that's what the artwork is, you know? And, 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 and so sometimes you, if that's what you, some of the stuff that's in your work, then you, let's say for me, you might feel kind of shy about talking about it or want to talk about it and not, and not maybe as forthcoming of a way as, or downplay its importance or whatever, you know, but I, I remember, you know, seeing other people in the, the positive aspect of comparison could be is if you see somebody do something mm-hmm. that is encouraging and a motivation, yeah, and, and motivation. You know, a couple yeah. years ago, there was a young lady from Philadelphia, African American woman, and she was in the Whitney Biennial, and mm-hmm. she kind of did something that was different for her practice. And it was all about her faith. See, um, her her sort of religious spiritual practice, I think, is like a Yoruba practice. And her whole work had to do with this whole, like, sort of pilgrimage she took to, like, Nigeria. And she did, you know, all of this sort of stuff, right? Having to do mm-hmm. with her priest and, you know, all of that. And so and she had some really great things that she was saying in the interview that had to do with, her using religion and, and like talking about it in her work. And sometimes, you know, these are things that are actually important to people, <laughs> you know, like if, if religion is not, you know, it's not important to everybody, but for so many people, this mm-hmm. type of thing is so important. So if you, if you're, if the sort of business of like comparison like, oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about that because other people aren't talking about that. Or maybe I should, maybe I should, not do my sort of structure my sort of studio practice in the business aspect because other people are doing that I've had to get over it yeah um, because you know you have to be for me I have to be like the leader in my own life right you know and and like those other things they're just like you know just realizing that they are they're distractions they're distractions Mm -hmm. and they kind of can keep you from from actually being the genius <laughs> that you are, you yeah. know, or, or like even seeing like what, who you ask for me, like even seeing who I actually am to be like, wait, who am I? If, if I'm not like taking those steps and sort of, um, you know, being daring and doing and going with those prompts and like the way, the way that I feel guided to, to do it because what, because comparison, you know, so that, that's been like, that's been a challenge for me. I mean, there's all the challenges, um, yeah, but I think that's that, a big that, one. that, that, um, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you're right. We all just have to follow our own paths and almost put like blinders on and just stay focused on what you want and what makes mm-hmm. you happy and tap into your genius because that's where, that's where you're going to find your joy and your purpose and what you're looking for. So yeah, you're right. Like keep it, keep it moving, stay focused. We all have different paths. Cause I know I do this too. And 
And like, I'll look at someone who I'm like, man, why am I not doing A, B, and C? Because you don't know what, what it took them to get to where they mm-hmm. are. So just focus on you yeah. and you'll get there. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing all of those words, wisdoms. I think a lot of people can like pull from what you said and just like remind themselves that we're all on our own path. So I want to just end with absolutely uh, giving you a chance to share any news you want about work you have coming up or ways for people to stay connected to you. How can people contact you? Anything new coming up you want to share? Oh, yes. Well, um, currently my work is available through artfair.com. Um, this is a curated site um, with work from contemporary artists from all over the world. People who are interested in like purchasing my work, collecting my work. I'm actually in the process of sharing some new Um, work with folks who are interested and you can follow me on Instagram I post there every now and then that's probably where I post most regularly and from there you can go to my website missingonight.com and sign up for my email list and I tend to you know keep folks up to date on uh, my work and my projects and exhibitions so those are the the best ways, and you know I'm on I'm on all the all the all the social you know networks. Yes. But Instagram would be a, a great place to to start and check out my website as well. Yeah, I love to be you know love to be in touch, and I really enjoyed this interview. And I, I think the people who listen, you know, to your podcast will that they'll they'll be able to join in on this conversation i'm sure that there's you know i'm sure i'm not the, i'm not the only one who has gone through a lot of different you know different thoughts and ideas but mm-hmm. your studio practice or business part of it um so yeah i'd love to be in in touch if you heard the podcast reach out <laughs> yes definitely reach out to nasinga she's amazing i'll have all the social links in the show notes, check out her website and her works, join her newsletter. She's amazing. And she's, as you can tell, just from this interview, she has so much experience and knowledge and she's willing to share. So definitely thank you so much for coming on. I love talking to you and let's stay connected. Same here. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. See you next week. Same day same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.